0: This is Dental All-Stars, where we bring you the best in dentistry on marketing, management, and training. Welcome to Dental All-Stars. I'm Eric Vickery, Lead Mastery Coach at All-Star Dental Academy and President of Vickery Coaching. And I'm so excited to interview our guests today. They're longtime friends of mine. I've known them for many, many years. And our first guest is Dr. Greg Raymond, who graduated from Franklin College in 1973 and the Indiana University School of Dentistry in 1977. He is also a graduate of both the University of the Pacific PacLive Program, the Las Vegas Institute for Advanced Dental Studies, and received a fellowship in the American Academy of General Dentistry. He practiced in Franklin, Indiana, a small town south of Indianapolis, along with With his team of six, which includes his wife, Karen, our second guest today, okay? He and his team completed the coaching center training and built an outstanding practice, which in 2013 was in the top 3% of dentists across the nation. That is so awesome. He also received many awards for his outstanding smile makeovers and the dentistry he provided for underprivileged children and abused women. And so Dr. Raymond was a national speaker for the coaching center and also coach for dentists starting their practices. He recently completed the Indiana Leadership Training in Washington, D.C., and continues to enjoy teaching team building in several organizations. He loves the extra travel and family time he now has since retirement at age 62. That's awesome. Uh, And his wife, Karen. Karen Raymond graduated from Indiana University. I wonder where you guys met. With a BS (laughs) in health information management in 1977. You guys were on that same track, huh? Let's see. She then took a position with the Indiana University School of Dentistry and was responsible for the Department of New Patients and Dental Record Systems. And after four years at the dental school, she began helping her husband, Dr. Greg Raymond, create an outstanding dental practice in Franklin, Indiana, which I can attest to. What an amazing, amazing practice. She attended and completed many seminars on patient and public relations and was named Top Patient Relation Coordinator from the Midwest by the Coaching Center. Karen and Dr. Raymond not only took their team to seminars, but became a national seminar speaker for the Coaching Center. And since retirement, she loves the time with their family and traveling. Karen also continues as a facilitator for students and office teams that need help with communication skills. So welcome, Karen and Dr. Greg Raymond. And I've been wanting to get you guys on the podcast. I've wanted to discuss this with you. And today's topic is is a series that we're doing with dentists on really being free of restrictive insurance, whether that means I'm in network and I want to be out of network, or I started my practice just out of network, and I've been a fee-for-service practice from the get-go. There's both. And so I think a lot of times, I think that's what puts you in the 3%, right? I think a lot of times, younger dentists especially, uh, but also dentists who have practiced a long time who haven't seen the, that this is possible, right? The belief that this is doable. They they think it's impossible to be out of network with insurance, right? And so I want to shed some light on that. And not that being in network is wrong or or not profitable or not not um, a, a good way to practice. I want to show them that this is a possibility. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. So- yes. So glad to have you two here. So glad to have you two here. You guys are just such good friends. We've known each other for a long time. Uh, full disclosure, I was able to coach these guys years and years and years ago, and uh, we we love staying in touch. So I think what what the listeners would want to hear from you guys is, tell us about your practice. W- what was your vision when it came to being insurance-free? Were you in-network and you got out of network? Did you launch fee-for-service? How did you guys do that?
1: Mm, Wow, great question. I was thinking about this interview, Eric, uh, thinking back when I first began practice, why I even uh, decided to be a dentist. I wanted to be a dentist because I enjoyed uh, working alone, working just solo practice. And I wanted to not be, um, you know, under perhaps an insurance plan or anything else. So I was I've always been a cheerful first. You launched
0: that way. You launched as fee-for-service.
1: Yes, from from day one, it was always that way. So here's my
0: next question that people are listening. Were you a scratch practice or did you buy a practice?
1: Scratch practice.
0: So you started a scratch practice. This is what I hear all the time from young dentists. Do I buy a practice? Do I start a scratch practice? And it's different times, but you were willing to accept a slower launch than to, in your mind, in your vision, do it the right way. Is that what I'm hearing you say?
1: That's exactly right. I had a plan. I had a, a vision that I'd always wanted to uh, be my own person and do it do it my way. And uh, I stuck with it. And I was committed to it. And my wife was so instrumental in helping me all, holding my hand and being right there and doing everything as a, as a, as a team together. And uh, yeah, I have, haven't regretted it one moment. So I, I've never been in a uh, uh, insurance reliant, a PPO or any, yeah. any contract.
0: So to clarify that, if I had met life and I came to you, mm-hmm. how did, Karen, you can explain this. How did that work? I said, I have insurance. And Karen, what? how did that work for me in your office if I had met life?
2: Okay. Um, first of all, you know, obviously when we answered the phone and someone would say, first thing they'd say, hey, I have insurance. Do you accept my insurance? Yep, and
0: yep.
2: <laughs> we did the typical that we have learned in our coaching skills. I'll tell me more about you. And you're trying to get, and you didn't want to, um, you wanted to try to answer the question, but take control of the conversation. We accept many, many um, insurance plans. We have a lot of people with that program. Uh, we'd love to work with you so that you get your best benefit and we'll get you in and we'll go over that with you so that you can maximize your benefits and we can still take care of you. Mm-hmm. And then like, if we could get them in that, that first appointment, they, you know, now you, obviously.
0: You wowed them when they came in, once they were we in. Did. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so, so totally how we still train and teach offices how to handle that phone. Skill transition statement, you know, get control of the conversation. They don't know what else to ask, lead them towards that. Beautiful. When so, so sidestep out of the patient relationship. Let's just you and I talking. When I when a patient had MetLife, did that mean they just paid their copay, or did that mean they paid all of it and MetLife paid me?
2: Um well there at the beginning, I will say we never signed up with any plans. So we were never a preferred. Dentist. Yes. So they were paying, and we would, We started with them paying their portion, and then the insurance would would pay us the rest. Yep. And we did that for a long time, and it was easy on cleanings and fillings, things like that. Hmm. Uh, then there was a, a time when we started doing major work and getting involved in a lot of things that insurance wasn't going to cover. That we realized that we had to have a conversation with the patient. We're going to turn this in. We're going to take care of all the paperwork, but we do not, we're not sure, you know, how much of this can be covered because obviously the insurance company doesn't really care about you like we do and they have maximum benefits anyway. So uh, we began to do the part where they were basically paying for the whole thing and the insurance company was reimbursing them. So we did. Attention. That, but it was ne- it wasn't such a hard transition because we had never been on a PPO plan where we would accept nothing but insurance and not- You know that was it. Yep.
0: Yeah. There. So there are levels for our list- listening offices to hear. You you're in network. Um, is is you can be you can be in network, writing off up to maybe forty two percent on average of what your office fee is. Okay talking about PPO, you know, plans, you can be out of that network and still accept assignment of benefits like you did in the beginning where the insurance would pay the 80% to you and the patient paid the 20% difference for restorative, right? Or the insurance paid 100% of your fee for profies and things like that, right?
2: Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And then there's the next level, which I call fee for service, where we'll handle the paperwork, We'll file your claim electronically. You'll get reimbursed. Whatever the insurance pays, that's up to them. And typically with large cases, we're maximizing it anywhere. You know, they're going to get their thousand, $1,500, $2,000 to them. But your $10,000, $30,000, $40,000 treatment plan will do financial arrangements with you and your insurance will just send you a little bit as a reimbursement,
2: right? Exactly.
0: Okay. That's the level you got to. You started at that middle level where you were at a network, but receiving assignment of benefits. Gotcha. Okay. So Dr. Raymond, starting out a scratch practice at a network, there must've been some challenges. It couldn't have all been, you know, flowers and and candy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There were a lot of challenges and it was uh, really a commitment uh, on our team's part to make this work. And I, I entered the team into this conversation because Mm. your team has to be 100% uh, committed to uh, practicing this way. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, You know what? One of the hardest things, Eric, that was uh, for me to get around was I learned early on uh, I couldn't be everyone's dentist. And I, at the beginning, I tried to be. And if you were vertical and were were breathing, I wanted to be your dentist. And I I realized that it was, frankly, uh, that wasn't going to happen. I couldn't practice the way I wanted to practice and and build this practice uh, the way we did if I was trying to be everything to everyone. And it was, you know, it wasn't benefiting anyone. In fact, it was driving myself and my patients and my team crazy trying to do that. So we decided that, you know, we developed our, our own vision statements, our purpose. This is, this is who we are. And we're all committed to this as a team. And we knew going into this that not every person coming into our practice uh, would be sane with our practice or could, you know, they all have their own um, reasons also. It could be financial a lot of times. And, and you know, you, you have empathy always with what's going on in everyone's life. But uh, that was one of the big hurdles, I think, trying to trying to, to begin the fee-for-service practice.
0: Yeah, yeah. Did you feel, I mean, look, this is just, you know, honest with, with dentists starting a scratch practice this way, did you feel like, oh, my other graduating friends, they they got more patience than me, and that's slower here. Was there any of that that creeped in, the doubt, the maybe approval addiction that you're alluding to there?
1: Yeah. Yes, uh, a lot. In fact, uh, we had to, uh, I use the word marketing, we had to uh, market our practice on our own. We didn't have, uh, for instance, a, a PPO or an insurance program or having bought a practice, actually when uh, we sold the practice uh, several years ago, we sold it to a young man who's in his mid thirties and he was just buying our patient base and pretty much, and uh, he's maintained um, a fee for, fee for service practice too. That's totally what he was looking for, the for most as well. So it's really worked out very well. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's challenging. I mean, you have to be up for the, the task you have to know what you're getting into, and you have to have a very, very supportive team who isn't going to subconsciously sabotage what yeah. you're doing. You know, yeah, they, if they
0: to- don't believe in it, they don't believe in your vision, right? They don't believe that vision purpose. So, yeah. I want to su- summarize something here. You were willing to play the marathon game, you were going to play the long haul, knowing okay, I'm going to be slower start, but it's going to long, long haul, I'm going to finish well, right?
1: Correct.
0: We're going to talk numbers here in a little bit, okay? Se- okay. Secondly you said, I need I need to have a clear vision that's non-wavering that if I hire these people got to be on board with. And right. and these honestly, these days, our dentists are like, I'll take someone who's vertical and breathing, like you said, right? It's like, I just a team member <laughs> yeah. and, and not like hiring someone. Okay, here's my vision. Are you on board with it? No. Okay. I'm not hiring you. Let me choose the next person. We don't really have those options these days. It's like, get on board. hear my vision. Are you on the bus? Get on the bus with us. And you might decide 90 days in that they're not the right person. Yeah. You go back to the drawing board. And so, you know, you taught, you taught me what's the best asset to a practice team, right? Oh, team. Absolutely. And, and what's the biggest challenge you taught me? Team. team. <laughs> it's like,
2: exactly. we're
0: still, we're still in that mode, right? We're still in that. So, 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 so long haul, clear vision, team trained to towards that vision and have to non-wavering have to be on that and the last thing I'm hearing you say in this conversation that you and I have talked about years and years and years ago was you can't be approval addicted. Right. Absolutely not. You, your words were, I'm not everybody's dentist. And for, for those that are listening who are in network, let me, let me share something with you. You, you want to have a, a great practice. That means that what you're saying is I want to treat, get people healthy. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah. And, and getting people healthy means... Do as much dentistry as possible per visit. Not do one thing at a time on as many people as possible. Exactly, exactly. Not How a did, high.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah,
0: speak. No, speak to that, please. No, I
1: would say, yeah, it wasn't a high volume practice. In fact, uh, at the beginning, of uh, Eric, when uh, when we first began, we were more of a high volume practice. We had uh, eleven team members, and wow. uh, oh, yeah, and I was seeing oh gosh, 60 to 70 patients a day. And it was just from room to room to room. And it, the stress level was just going through the ceiling. And it took me a long time to realize that I didn't have to be a high volume practice. I could still uh, practice the way I wanted to practice my vision of, of how I wanted to be a dentist and, and serve those who uh, you know wanted to be a part of our, our practice. And uh, still financially, financially uh, speaking, make as much or even more than uh, having to be on a contract, you know, with the PPO, seeing some of my friends who were and their reimbursements each year going down, down, down. And it was, uh, they were working harder, uh, and perhaps not smarter. And just, uh, I I saw that in several of my closest friends, and uh, they were Gosh, they were really stressed. And uh, the
2: insurance companies will step in and say, if you don't have us, you're going to lose all these patients. Yeah. Um, and this and that. And it scares you to death. But when you start running numbers about what yeah. you really need.
1: Yeah. It yeah. It
2: changes everything.
1: Eric, I you that, that taught me. Uh, and by the way, I'll, I'm going to plug for Eric. I mean, <laughs> fabulous coach. And I would definitely, definitely. Get into a nice coaching relationship with him, and and have him coach the team and you and the practice and oversee it and run all that because it is it made it happen. You couldn't have done it, it, couldn't have done it without you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you taught Seriously? me, and I think you had like a a formula of a math formula. Whereas if you lost, perhaps it, it was either, if, and I can't remember the the stat. It was fifty to eighty percent of your patient base, but yet you were being Financially reimbursed at 100 percent of your usual and customary fee that you have, then you're you're way ahead and it's less stress and uh, things. Oh gosh, things were really worked out well, but it, it's hard to it's hard to uh, see that unless someone such as yourself sits down and puts the pen to yeah. paper, shows you. you gotta are,
2: have the facts and look, not just the emotional. Yeah,
1: yeah, because you think. How how in the world am I going to do that? Because at the end of the day, no matter what, as as far as running your own business, your small business, you have to make sure the you know you're going to end up every month with uh, uh, some money in the bank and not more nor more days than money at the end of the month. So you have to do what you really that is going to be working for you. You know it isn't for everyone. I mean yes. I wouldn't have done it any other
0: way. Let's let's summarize this. So first of all, thank you for the compliment. I appreciate it. I think our relationship was very win-win. You guys taught me so much as well, and so I appreciate that. the The formula that you're speaking to is if your average if your average write-off rate, as in a plan, let's say it's forty two percent, and you need to know that. That's the we have trackers for that. We'll we'll show you um, what your patient population is in each plan, and we'll show you what your write-off rate is by doing UCR versus insurance fee, and then frequency of which you perform that procedure and that plan based on your population. Then we'll create a monthly cost. We'll create an annual cost. I did one for a doctor the other day. He was doing um, he's doing Medicaid and it's a $400,000 loss annually for him seeing those patients. Based upon its frequency, what that meant was he had too many Medicaid patients, which meant you need to re, you need to stop taking Medicaid patients. We need to grow the other side over here, so uh, outside of Medicaid. And and look, there's it's all about helping people. I like, get it, help get them healthy. But here's the number: whatever your write off rate is, and I typically see about forty two percent, and it's different. Profies, you know, fifteen percent write off crowns or twenty percent write. It's all this stuff, but the average is forty two percent write off rate. That means you can afford to lose 42% of those patients when you go out of network. And this the 58 patient, 58% of the patients who stay are paying 42% more, which justifies the loss.
1: Right, right.
0: You can actually afford to lose a little bit more, but it's confusing to say that. But it's, it's, that's the formula is when you're at a network, you go, well, so if you, let's say you're considering going in network. Okay. Well, what's the, what's the loss you're going to take for these patients? This is, this is another example, right? So let's say you're going to go and network and right now the fee looks really good. It's a 10 or 15% write-off. Well, wow, nice. Okay. Well, keep in mind your profit margin early on, especially is 25%. So if you're at 25 or more percent write-off, you're either breaking even or handing that patient money as they walk through your door, or you're having to double time it. You're seeing 30-minute profies, you're double, you know, you think clinic style. That's why they do this. Right. And yes, you got a pretty nice rate now, but what's your rate gonna look like in 15 years or in five years, in 10 years? They're not gonna yep. raise the fee. Okay. It also hurts because dentistry as a whole, because here's the funny thing. If I go in network. And I get all these patients, puts pressure on you to go in network. It puts pressure on the next dentist to go in network. And then the insurance starts lowering the fee every time there's a next dentist that gets in network no. because leverage, because as dentists, we don't have the leverage. Early on, when all of this was created, we had leverage because they had nobody in network. So they matched our fee and the fee just stayed the same.
2: That's what they want. And they're trying to say, basically, if your dentist isn't in this, go to dental or whatever it is, you need to find out. And it's Mm -hmm. just this pressure and scaring them to death.
0: Yes. Yes.
2: Then when I say that, yeah.
0: So (laughs) let's talk numbers. Let's talk numbers. So uh, most dentists. I'm just talking about dentist chair right now. We'll talk hygiene chair a different time maybe or something. But dentist chair, most of the time, I'm I'm on their tracker trying to figure out how do I get them to 500 per patient or at least 500 per hour. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now your practice was well above that. It was by the time we were working together, we were already we we're just talking about different things and next level. Right. But, but I'm trying to get them to 500 per hour net production, not grow. Not talking real dollars, collectible dollars. Okay. And a lot of times, what happens is I see these dentists and they're like, I just got to see more patients. If I see more patients and I go faster and I go faster and faster, I can get that 500 per hour. What's yeah. your response? What's your response to that?
1: Oh, gosh. I think it, what you were just saying about looking at the numbers uh, and looking at the percentages that you're writing off. Mm. And uh, I, I played that game for a while, even though I wasn't in network, but I thought more volume, the better. You know, anyone that. Uh, called. We've got to to keep them as a patient and this and that. And we had a relatively high volume practice, but it wasn't until I started to pick and choose the procedures I enjoyed the most and were also profitable and uh, uh, did that until I get off of that, got off that merry-go-round. I mean, it was, it was absolutely, and it's hard to see that beginning. It's hard to I think convince, uh, I, I, and I'm thinking of some, some of my friends that went through that yeah. situation. It's hard to, uh, for them to rationalize that or see that you know, long-term uh, until they, they take that leap of faith and they do that. And uh, you know, they're always receiving good advice, good coaching, and uh, the team, team is happy, and, and you know, every, your patient base is happy. Yeah.
0: Think, and think about it this way. And I, and I know I'm making it about money right now. And I apologize for that because it is about getting more patients healthier. But let me say this, at the end of the day, there's a, there's a young dentist graduating right now who may be listening to this and he's walking out of school. He's walking out of school with a bill. Yep. That bill looks different than your bill looked in 1977, right? right? I mean, I mean, price of crowns were lower too, but, but you know, it still feels like a really big number, $450,000, yes. you know, walking out with this debt. And now they're wondering, now I got to buy a practice too, or right. I'm going to go be an associate for even longer. And what mm-hmm. am I going to earn? You you don't have to share if you don't want to, but I think, what do you think a dentist should be earning annually? What do you think is a, because I think sometimes we set the bar here <clears throat> when when it, yeah. it has this, this opportunity that we haven't really I don't think people like to talk about it. They're afraid to talk about this subject because it's, you're in healthcare and you're talking about money. Yeah. But when, yeah. You, when you come out with this debt and you buy a practice, you're a million dollars in debt like that. What do you think a, a, a dentist's income ought to be annually? I mean,
1: what do you think? Oh boy. <laughs> I, I'm not certain, Eric. I, um, uh, um, uh, I don't know what they would expect, especially with the, the uh, scenario you just you just painted that picture. Uh, I do know that, uh, for instance, the young man that bought my practice, yeah, um, he had worked for a corporate dental firm for a while, and right out right out of school, because of the same reason you just mentioned, he was in debt. You know, yep. now to do put out so much money now to buy a practice, buy equipment uh you know sign a lease for space i mean it was overwhelming you know I, I i really had a lot of empathy sympathy for his situation uh and so he did what he felt he needed to do at that point in time which worked out for him but after he had about how long with the corporate office maybe 3 to 4 years after three or
2: 4 years
1: he uh he realized you know, came to realization, you know, hey, this isn't why I became a dentist. I wanted to have my own practice, solo practice, be for service practice. And that's why he was looking around to purchase a practice uh, such as ours at that point in time. And he could uh, better afford to do it. So it was a matter of timing also. That's why I was saying a while ago, at the end of the day, you have to, every situation is different and everyone's needs are are different and you have to do what you need to be doing to make make that work and uh may not be what you know greg raymond did or what greg raymond ended up doing evolved into doing and maybe it is you know so um uh, you're you're and you're right it's much different than it was when i graduated in 1977
0: Austin, so. and it might be a same ratio you graduate this much debt and and the crown's worth this much and that, you know, it might be that way I just read something that said the average young dentist working for that clinic style or government funded agency is making about one hundred sixty three thousand dollars a year. Yeah, yeah. That to me is low.
1: Yeah. I was going to say two hundred is yeah. is what first came to mind, and yeah, I, I I still didn't I hadn't said it, but that's what came to mind just immediately. It was yeah. like matter
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes dentists don't believe that that, what, what should that income be? Or they understand, oh, I got to be in specialty to do this or whatever. If I do the, if I do the numbers right, okay, and we, we look at, you know, budgeting expenses and we, we have our fees accurate. This is another reason to be out of network is we're in hyperinflation right now. Guess what? Every employee is asking for in every single practice. They want that little bump up, right? Yep. And now it's not a 10% raise, you know, so $2 an hour, you know, $3 an hour. We're talking 10%. Right. I mean, I'm sorry, not 10%. We're talking about a 20% raise. They're doubling. They want four dollars an hour or more. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And
0: we're getting we're getting really smart, you know, dentists cherry picking other things on, hey, we'll give you four dollars more an hour if you come over here. Don't even know anything about them. Just come over here, four dollars more an hour. And then employees go into the existing dentist going, what do I do? I didn't even apply for this job. I just got this offer out of the blue. They reached out to me, they found me. It's happening. Facebook messaging makes that possible. (laughs) Right. So, so if you have the ceiling set on you with your fees by an insurance company, you can't even afford good team members and now they go.
1: No, that's right.
0: Or, that's right. or you're not making that annual income and you're having to take it out of your pocket to pay your employees and you're stuck at $150,000. Now, if you do the numbers right and you budget and you have freedom to choose your fees and everything set up right and a million, just a million dollar practice. Do you, do you mind sharing what your annual collections were when when you, when you were, like, doing your thing? Do you want to share that number? Is that okay?
1: Sure. I think at uh, our peak, this was, uh, I've, I've been retired for, like, eight years. But I yep. think at our peak, we were, like, 1.5. Okay. 2.5. So, yeah.
0: you, had, you had two doctors and you had three hygienists working for you. Is that what you're saying?
1: No. I know. I had myself. And at one point, we had four team members. Myself yeah. and four. We were yep. doing 1.5, and this is uh, probably over 10, 15 years ago, somewhere yep. in there. Yeah. Yeah. Know. About, yeah, yeah. 2013.
0: So we'll just take the million dollar model because that should be doable at 500 an hour on the doctor side. This is collections, right? 500 an hour. If you do the math, right? 500 an hour, that's times that by eight hours a day. We'll, we'll say it's 2000 a day, right? With hygiene, okay? Four days a week, you know. Okay. You times that by, um, I don't know, 48 weeks. Easy math is 83,000 a month. That's 12 million. Here's the point. If you're really managing your money well, and you're going to have more debt early on, but let's say the average dentist is getting 25% on average. The goal would be a lot more than that. That's $250,000 a year that should be going in the dentist's pocket. Now, some of that might be paying bills and other things, and it should go up from there. So, if you're a dentist listening to this and you're not hitting that two hundred fifty thousand dollars income mark, and you're wondering why? We might have a solution for you when it comes to that ceiling that's been placed on you by the insurance companies.
1: Yeah, so I, exactly. I guarantee
0: the CEO of the insurance company is making more than two hundred fifty.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, in essence. I mean, the insurance companies are are trying owners to control, of the practices. You uh, know, Yep, yep, yep.
0: If you had the ear of a dentist who was either considering starting a practice in network or a dentist that is in network right now, you had their ear and you had you know a couple minutes just to tell them some advice, you know, right. uh, from Doctor Raymond. What would you like for them to see? What do you think th- that the blinders are on with them that you can shed some light on for them?
1: Oh boy, I would say. Basically, what we've just been talking about, because you're, you're, you're uh, as the uh, uh, dentist now, you're faced with uh, having to make sure that, and yeah, you, we talk a lot about finances and the monies and everything else, but it's also their happiness level. They have to be committed to practicing, ask themselves, why did you choose to be a dentist to begin with? You know, what, what uh, was exciting for you? And for myself, it was, you know, uh, basically uh, owning a solo practice and being able to, I hate to say, be my own boss, but actually be my own boss. And and, uh,
2: and make moral and ethical decisions. Yeah. That's was yeah. not uh, pushing on you because exactly. that is impossible. If, you know, sometimes are in private corporations, you've got to feel good and
1: happy. You know, he did this uh young dentist I mentioned at water practice. Yeah, he had working for the corporate, he was uh yeah, he was on quotas. He had a certain amount that they expected him to do. Uh, and so he had to meet that, or you know, you know, things would come down on him. So absolutely.
0: Uh, they yeah. they are all about production, production, production. They know what it takes to maintain a high rate of. You know, production to, co- to collections ratio. They know you got to produce a certain amount. Now, these big corporations are able to negotiate a higher PPO rate because they have some, they have some, uh, you know, leverage with the insurance companies because they're a volume based business. When you're a solo practitioner, it's much harder. So I want to summarize uh, what I heard you say. Uh, are you passionate when you go to work? Do you love what you're doing? If you don't love what you're doing, look at it and say, what would it have to look like for me to love it? Yes. On Monday morning, when I wake up, go. Yes, I get to go into the office. I get to do the type of dentistry I want to do. Okay. Uh, The second thing, and I think one of you said this. I think be your own boss, right? And and Karen, you said make your own decisions, treatment plan the way you want treatment plan to make it ideal for the patient, so you can predict the outcome. So you're not looking to oh, I got to send it over to this lab over here to cover the cost of this insurance company. You know, uh, you know, there's all sorts of things I see go on to try to make a, a certain insurance company profitable for you. And you're trying to, you know, do these sorts of things to, to do this when really it should be a decision between you and the patient as what's the yes. best uh, direction to go,
1: right? Exactly. Yes, exactly. Okay. Totally.
2: Right.
0: So I think what I'm hearing you say, if you had one thing to say is write your vision and, and be passionate about what, you know, being in dentistry, What what does that look like for you?
1: Exactly. That's that's the bottom line. And And it is possible. Yeah. That's
0: what okay. And so if I'm afraid, all right, so Karen, so I'm afraid. Maybe it's I'm not sure my team's gonna get on board or I'm my own approval extra. I'm afraid to be out of network because I might lose my whole business. What would you say to someone in that situation?
2: Well, again, Eric, you I would definitely say um, you know, go on with the research, make sure that you you're in the right place, that you've got the research but if you believe in it 100 and you have that vision and you can get as much of that team behind you you go for it wholeheartedly mm-hmm. and it can be done i mean even where we were living and where we practiced it was some people thought that couldn't happen yeah but because of the things that we did, it, you can't just make a decision and go, this, this is what we're going to do and it's all going to be wonderful. That is not true. You have to do the research. And I, I don't want to push like I'm pushing you as a coach. But Greg and I were just talking about this last night. Everything that we did from the coaching and the seminars that led to this, we had to implement. And that's what mm-hmm. made the difference.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. What you're really talking about uh, here, a couple of things, right? It's not, should you be out of network? It's uh, more like, why are you in network? You know, it's it's not, don't be afraid to be out of network. Look at the numbers of being in network and say, are you okay with that? And so what we do as coaches, we show you again, population of the practice that's in network, what that population costs you. And there might be some plans you decide to keep. I am, I am helping. I won't use the insurance company's name, I'll say Premier or PPO, and you should probably All know right. what I'm talking about when I say that. I have All so many dentists, okay, that be, got, um, they were credentialed with this insurance company prior to 2012, and, they, and, and that insurance company got them to say, hey, be, be Premier and PPO. Mm-hmm. And they went, they went, oh, okay, yeah, sure, why not? I get my premier fee? Yeah, okay. Well, what that insurance company did was they wrote plans that were both premier and PPO. And when the dentist was both premier and PPO, guess what fee the dentist got? They didn't get the premier rate. They got the PPO rate, which is a 42% write-off rate. And for years and years and years stacked on top of each other, we're talking about seventy dollars to $100,000 a year for the last 10 years or more that I've been working with this dentist going, you're taking a $70,000 to $100,000 hit. I just did this with a doctor in Maryland this week. annual because of her her population of that insurance plan, taking that PPO rate instead of Premier. And all we did was flip a switch and say, hey, I credentialed with you prior to 2012. I can just be Premier and make that switch. And and only 5% of the plans are PPO only. Only 5% of the plans are Premier only. That means 90% of the plans are both. So if you're just Premier, you get the Premier rate. But when you're both, they pay you the PPO rate. And dentists don't, and what you're talking about is dentists don't know this information. Plus so this, this podcast is now potentially worth $75,000 a year to somebody. It <laughs> is,
1: yeah, yeah. Totally. If, if, you,
0: if If you registered credentialed with that insurance company prior to 2012. Now after 2012, you're just PPO. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. I helped a, um, an in this year make the decision to resign from the big dog that we're talking about here. And because as a specialist, you cannot be premier only. You have to be premier and PPO. Okay. Oh. That decision, it's a, it's two a Donna. It's kind of one and a half a DOS, is a $400,000 annual change by resigning from Delta. Yeah. Gee. Do you think he now has a better chance of keeping his highly trained team over someone else? Think about that. $400,000. So we, we and I think I'm conservative on that guess. So and here's the thing: there's no reason to be a network as that specialist because it's a one-off. It's an end honest. It's a one-off. There's no hygiene to worry about. So all these things. Does that make sense to you guys? Though?
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, that's that, that's what I mean about the value of a coach and, yes. and someone as knowledgeable as yourself. Yes. And uh, I'll keep saying that because I don't mean to be over overboard, but it's true. And and having that reminder and someone who knows what they're doing and can coach you and hold your hand along the way, because you're gonna, you're gonna have a lot of self doubt, at least I did on certain things. And am I doing the right thing? You know, you need a third party out there uh, to bounce these things off of, and they can see things that uh, perhaps you can't, you know, very. So no, it's just invaluable as you know, I see you are part of our team, obviously you're part of our team and uh, Uh, it was always invaluable and and, uh, other team members uh, the team members or once you find the right team too when I say right yeah your your vision the way you want to practice and they all are uh, very respectful of each other it's magic I mean it really I use that word magic because things just come together and uh, the team I get as much coaching from them also as what uh, I or, or, or yourself can give to them. I mean, they can see things after they've been with the practice for so long. It's invaluable. They ended up hiring and, and in some cases, just firing some some team members that I wasn't aware of was sabotaging the practice. You know, yeah. so uh, there's those types of things that I always go on. Absolutely,
0: uh, have and to be aware. Of. And and you and here's a here's a broad statement of what you're describing. There is you want the best team members working for your practice. Oh, yes. And in order to do that, you've got to train them, but you also got to pay them. Yes. And in order to pay them, you can't have these ceilings placed upon you. You've got to figure out ways to break through that. And so now, again, there's probably ways to do that in network. And we're not talking about that today. But there is this way to be out of network and be insurance free and resign from insurances in a way that's healthy for you. And we went through how to answer the phone. Case presentation, customer service, marketing, all the things it takes to make that, that 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 machine work, every single cog, every single wheel well, every single, we greased everything. And you we do did. that, yeah, you do that instead of running around and chasing your tail and seeing a bunch of patients who pay a little bit of money who don't really value and respect the time and all those things. It changes the perspective. And there are just as many people looking for that type of dental office as there are looking for a... In network They're, practice. i will be
1: so happy they if they can make that. this happen. Yeah. Putting, putting those systems together. We always talked about, you know, your, your practice is only as good as the systems that that are that you've had implemented. And you're constantly uh, reviewing and looking over and maybe changing, maybe not. But your systems are so important in communication because it is that whole package. Eric. Yeah, absolutely. It's the whole package. It's so hard to. Get that across in such a short time that we have, like today. Yeah. But, uh, it. I mean, it's challenging. I'm. I'm sitting here thinking. Well, maybe I should say this. Maybe thinking this. Yeah. But there, there's so much, and uh, it, uh, but it is exciting once you get it put together and you can see it, and uh, you can uh, fix uh, fix many things really quickly if and- you just have it. In place. I
2: would like to say one thing. Once you do start treating your patients different and do the comprehensive treatment plans and do the things that we learned, the patients you get, it becomes a, a cycle of referrals and you get those good patients yeah. and it just is self fulfilling and you're so much happier. It's wonderful. Yeah,
0: yeah it's true. It's true. Birds of a feather flock together, right? It's it's yes. just that source and of scenario. What's what you're looking for is looking for you. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's okay. it's there. So, well, this isn't a how to do it podcast. That's training right. and coaching and all that kind of stuff. But this is a awareness to say oh, it's so possible and you can make yes. so uh, such a great living at this. You know, yes. uh, I I would challenge dentists to think of a number in their head and say this is what I want to make annually. And I'm talking about a one doctor, two hygienist practice. If you want to grow beyond that, that's a whole different ballgame. But you know, you're you're looking for three hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. That's the goal these days of what you want to achieve. And if you're not getting there, and you want to be, then we need to look at the the way insurance is holding you back. We need to look at your systems. We need to look at your case acceptance. We can look at your treatment planning and make sure it's ideal. You got to have the clinical training to do that, deliver that sort of service. But again, it's not about the money, but it's about being passionate about how you want to practice and then being rewarded for that, um, in a, in a very nice way. Yeah. You have That's a
2: happier dentist, a happier team, and it's, it's, it's
1: wonderful for everybody. end. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: for sure. Absolutely. Wonderful. Thank you guys so much for joining me. I really, really appreciate your time.
1: And we're honored. Uh, thanks for asking. Thank I mean, my you. gosh, I hope. Hopefully some, some pearls have come out or slipped out uh, with me. Thanks.
2: It's thanks so right something to think about because that's exactly what we did. We set what we wanted to make. Yes. And yeah. we started working towards that and it happened. Your yep.
0: goals, right? Your goals. Yeah. If you're listening yeah. to this and you want more information about how to resign from restrictive insurance, how to be insurance free, right? Be that kind of provider. You can send an email to Heather at AllStarDentalAcademy.com. Okay. Well, thank you all for uh, joining us and listening and taking the time to invest in yourself. And until next time, go out there and be an all-star. Bye guys. Thank you.
2: Bye. Thank you. you. Bye-bye.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Dental All-Stars. Visit us online at allstardentalacademy.com.